July the 29th. It's July the 29th. It's time for the audio podcast. This is episode 94, Cable and Wire. I'm Scott here, and this week, as always, I'm joined by... Samuel Freeman, hello, I'm here. Um, just the two of us this week, and I have to confess, I have not read any of the notes yet, Scott, but I have loaded them, so... Yeah, anyone wanting to read along can go along to theaudiopodcast.co.uk slash show slash 94 and yeah, that's where the news is and the plunder and we'll get through it eventually. I, I feel this week will be a brief <laughs> show. I expect it will be a brief show, but perhaps I'll be wrong, you know. We're in, for, for those people with, um, you know, concerns, we're, we're in our summer period where we, in previous years, we've just given up completely doing anything for July and August, but this year we're trying to keep it going, so it's every other week erratically-ish. But we're getting there. I think we've done reasonably well. It's been pretty much every other week. No? Yeah, we've only missed... Did we... I don't know. I think we only missed one, didn't we? I don't know. Don't know so first of all, our show notes at theaudiopodcast.co.uk slash show slash 94. The first one, th- this is my... Uh, I'm kind of a bit fed up of having to deal with like people releasing updates of things to support new things so I was went for a slightly more efficient way of doing that this today which is basically to say that Flux and Toontrack have announced Pro Tools 11 support there we go so <laughs> some of their plugins are available with Pro Tools 11 support um, the also, there's also I think there's maybe a couple of other people who have done similarly as well, I decided because obviously we have two weeks to prepare the show notes so I decided last week I just wasn't going to pay any attention anymore to Pro Tools 11 announcements regarding plugin support and then I was like well maybe that's a bit unhelpful so this morning I decided I would include any that came across my desk today but I would bundle them like this so that's why but this is my new method for the future so there you go that's that's cool I think <laughs> I'd, I'm, I'm suspecting Sam you probably have very little interest in uh, plugin support for Pro Tools 11 um, pretty much the same yep yeah. when like in the weeks after, immediately after, it was interesting seeing them all drop, but they're all things, yep, stuff that already existed now exists in a way that's compatible with the new stuff. Hey. There we go. In a, in a <laughs> similar vein, if you're an Ultranova vocoder owner, then there is a free update, which adds uh, some new cool functionality to the vocoder. Obviously, if you're not an Ultranova owner, then you probably don't care either. <laughs> I wonder if see Adam's not here this week. I wonder if that's because he did buy that um that microcorg or whatever it is with its vocoding abilities and he's he's just sat playing with it. Maybe that's what's happened. Maybe that's why he's not no, here. He didn't get it. He, he went did not back to buy it and it was gone. Well there you go. So sad. So sad. <laughs> so, something else, uh, another hardware release. I thought you know it's obviously hardware releasey kind of time today. But Alan and Heath have released an upgrade to the XB14. Uh, that's a broadcast mixer, and they've released the released a Mark II version of it, um, available at the same price through the same stockist. It's also available immediately. Um, adds in a couple of cool features to it as well. Um, I've actually played with an XB14 a couple of times. They're a really nice desks. They sound really good. So I was I was kind of interested in this a little bit myself. The the really cool thing they've added into it is a stereo audition bus. Um, which is really cool. So because it's a um, because it's a broadcast desk, what what happens is whereas most people are probably familiar with things like PFL and solo buses, what happens is with a bro- with a broadcast desk, the off-air audition allows you to hear the other inputs that aren't being broadcasted 
but allow you to actually get those inputs and send them to different to, and kind of use them on their own first. So you can actually set up what the next what the mix is going to be for the next live thing you're doing or for the next piece of production work you're doing while using the same desk to actually control the live sound. So it's a completely separate I'm setting this auditioning. A lot of yep. people do that kind of thing using mix, you, you know, using kind of subgroups and things like that. But the audition mix bus has the kind of cool feature of not being routable to the main, into the main live bus. <laughs> so, whereas with a group, you could always end up with the group routed through to the main bus. This way, you have a definite kind of final bus. So, if you were thinking like kind of traditional numerical numbering systems, you'd end up with you know like you, you would essentially refer to it as you know like um, what was it 14 ins? If I'm, no, I think it's 12 ins. 12, 14 ins, but essentially, rather than having a stereo pair out, you have four outs that you can route different, that you can use differently. So that's kind of cool. Also, um, variable high and low pass filters on the telephone input, which is nice as well. That's not a pure tele, that, that's an input that's designed to be used with a telephone caller coming in. Coming in <laughs> so that's kind of nice to make the sound better. They're nice desks, they're beautiful desks. They sound really good, they're fun to work with, and yeah, you know. There was, however, a really cool feature, a, a, a kind of funny feature I thought was worth mentioning, which is they made a big deal about the fact it's now painted matte black. <laughs> so it's a, which, which is a sensible decision, but it just made me think it'd be cool if it becomes an option that you can, you know, like when you buy cars and you can, you know, you choose a color. It'd be nice <laughs> if it's like a new feature on the high-end desks sometimes. Yeah, I'd like that with, uh, you know, 20-inch alloy spin, you know, 20-inch chrome spinners and maybe a metallic blue if that's okay. No, it's okay. The desk just comes with little wheels, it'd be nice. I'd like that. Underlining would be awesome. <laughs> That's what we need. Um, shall, we, shall we get away from hardware more into archives? This is yeah. Dr. Bob, Robert Moog. Bob Moog archives have been donated to university, to Cornell University. There you go. Yeah. The, the whole thing has been donated across the Cornell University to look after it forever. And to um, so th there's two parts. First of all, the story was announced. Um, I don't I don't know if you followed that. I'm seeing when the announcement happened, lots of people got really kind of got upset because the Bob Moog archives had been available for anybody for any purpose for free to go and have a look at and have a play with, and all the kit was put out. And then when it was announced, it was going to a big kind of formal institution. Lots of people were a bit kind of concerned about what that meant for access and such like that. Now. Obviously, the reason it's been transferred, I would suggest, is purely a cost issue, which is maintaining these things is incredibly expensive and is a not continuously ongoing cost. I'm saying even if the bare minimum you're doing is keeping everything in a climate-controlled environment, it's still going to cost money forever to, to maintain that. And I suspect that's probably where the cost issue is, is that they, you know, you know, and they probably don't want to have to pay the bills to keep it up to date. And if somebody else is going to pay all those bills to maintain your, maintain it for you, then you know, I mean, it's very attractive, isn't it? If it's, you know, that kind of thing. So, so I guess that's where, what Cornell did, though, is they've released a FAQ. They updated an FAQ today, which has a whole load of details about what access terms would be and things they're planning on doing. So there's a commitment to the digitization and the free availability of the digitized resources. There's also a commitment there to free access to, to anybody. So it's not just going to be locked away in terms of only researchers only formal researchers can get here. They, they specifically say that fans would be welcome. So that's quite a. So that's kind of cool. I'm saying they've done that to try and alleviate some of those sort of, some of those concerns, which I think is you know fair enough. I think. 
preservation of these things. Hmm. Cool. I was just looking through. It's not actually at the university yet. They're expecting it to arrive soon. Okay. Shall we go on again, or do you have a... Nope, let's move on. Let's move on. I do not have a, anything this week. It's, it's a classic. Sam's just got home, hasn't seen a computer screen all day, and is now going, oh, okay. So, print Shop Ad uh, Effects. This is our random sound uh, sound library for the day. Um, I had a whole collection to look at. People kind of, you know, yeah. I had a whole collection I've looked at. People started emailing, emailing me them. If you want to email me a sound library, please, while you can find my personal email address, and I will tend to respond to it, if you could email show at the audio podcast.co.uk, that would be better. And uh, I will go as far as saying if you email that, you will be the chosen one unless somebody else also emails that. So I'm going to, anybody who emails show at the audio podcast is going to get precedent over people who randomly email me on my personal addresses. So there you go. You haven't won? Nonetheless, um, <laughs> here's a, somebody went off into a print shop and Recorded a whole load of printers printing, like big industrial printers. Thought it was cool. Awesome. They go from the blurb with really nice subsonic stuff. As they would be with all that machinery chilling around. Uh, yeah, have you ever heard um, vinyl cutters? You know, with people like sign making, like like the the vinyl that they cut lettering out of. They make some really good sounds, especially when they go around corners. Like depending on like the angle of the curve that it's cutting, it has a different pitch frequency going through. Yep. Anyway, we have just it's not it's similar to a print shop, but good noises from machines. Awesome. That's great stuff. There's the sound file library if you want to work for it. Should we do some more software updates since we're earlier on in the week? Yeah. Okay. So Steinberg have. Updates for Cubase 6.5 and Nuendo 5.5. It's funny how they have these like sibling products on different version numbers, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is the final maintenance update. So if you are um, if you're a Steinbase, well, if you're a Cubase 6 or a Nuendo 5 user, then the, these are your final maintenance updates. There will should be you should probably expect no more functionality updates and probably. Unless there's a major issue occurs, you're unlikely to see any more kind of maintenance updates either. So th this is really, I'm saying, in, I know in the door world they're not quite as clear-cut about this, but in my mind this really is the kind of end-of-life statement for these versions of Cubase and Nuendo. This is, you know, we're no longer, they, they are fully supported, those versions, but that is that is it. There won't be another one. So time to start thinking about what maybe what you want to do next or be aware that in a year's time you're going to be thinking about what you want to, get, where you want to go next if you're running commercially on those platforms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Cool. And that's the news. Three. Three. <laughs> that's the news on this week's audio podcast. Before Sam hits in with the first item of plunder, don't forget um, you know, all the show notes at the audiopodcast.co.uk slash show slash 94. You can get all these here. Um, everything we talk about is there and all the, we have links. Every story has the appropriate links out to the more detailed version, and we do our best to try and link actually to the press releases and the full release documentation. So, you know, you know that kind of balances our uh, sloppiness in coverage, but we try and make this slightly more entertaining and things like that. So, with Sam on the spot and possibly panicking, let's go. Oh no! Item of plunder, Sam. Uh, um, speaking of inst this, this, this is okay. The first item of plunder is from Calrec. And they have an article here called How Sound Moves Us and Other Things. And 
just glancing at it, I can't tell exactly how serious this thing is. Uh, this is this is this is silly, right? <laughs> or have I completely misread it? No, no, no. I, I think you're right. I'm saying the key thing is that they're actually discussing an article from somewhere else, which was talking about um, using acoustic levitation and how acoustic levitation could work. So I thought it was kind of fun, you know, completely random thing. Yeah. I liked it. Okay. There you go. It's plunder, you know. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Who cares? Okay. Yeah, but you know, we don't care greatly. <laughs> there was another item of plunder as well, which is um, from um, XIPH. I'm not sure you meant to pronounce it. Which is um, about digital signals. Which is a, a, a kind of, it's quite a long video. It's just under 30 minutes of length. And it's a, a discussion about how digital audio signals actually behave. Um, I thought it was, it was, it was it's, it's worth watching. I mean, it's more worth watching. It, it's interesting to see the things they talk about and the kind of illustrations they use. And for, you know, maybe people in education, it could be an interesting referral source for people to, you know, go take a look at this and, you know, work from there. And it's also kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's well done, you know, it's kind of entertaining. It's available on a Creative Commons by attribution share alike license as well, including um, most of its uh, source materials that have been used to create it as well. So the examples and things like that you can create yourself if you have access to all the appropriate bits. Cool. I think yeah, I'll check that out. I think last time I actually read anything about how digital signals work on a, proper, on a deep technical level was through DAT tapes and the ordering of samples and stuff on those, which is quite a long time ago, really. Well, well the, the incredibly observant uh, video watcher who is looking really, really closely. Oh, I've obscured it today, actually. We'll, we'll find them um, if I can reach the. I'm using the mirror here. Oh, oh there you go. May have noticed the computer music tutorial is actually uh, just there in the background there. Yeah. Nicely, nicely hidden away. <laughs> and uh, to be at process expenses, as I said. So. Oh, there we go. That's cool. That's just a little random thing. So I think we've made it. That was uh, that. That's you know. There we go. Sorted. So um, I don't know if the audio. I'm I'm away next week, but I know that Adam is around next week. So I don't know if Adam and Sam are going to have a uh, bring. Next episode of the audio podcast next week, or perhaps it'll be in a fortnight's time. Uh, or we might be able to do that. No, I've got a whole if I've got a whole week's notice, I might be able to actually read some stuff during the week and have something to say when it comes to the podcast time. In which case, that is as good a commitment as you're ever going to get to there being another audio podcast, maybe next week or in a fortnight's time. Hooray! The audio podcast episode 94, which I believe was called Cable and Wire. I've been Scott Hewitt, and I've had a blast as always. I am Samuel Freeman. Hello.